Welcome to Nighttime Conversations with Steve and Freya, where we take on the deeper subjects of relationships, life, love, sex, and personal happiness. I'm your host, Freya Norton. Remember to like and subscribe. The blurb on Lori Hammond's page says, I help normal, everyday people solve normal everyday problems. I can help you permanently lose weight, stop smoking, overcome anxiety, achieve your goals, and so much more. Lori is a humble, sweet, quiet, and loving person that you would almost miss because she's not out there tooting her own horn, but who you can't miss because she is a shining beacon of light and love. I have watched her over the years develop a loyal following, which is growing and growing, not because she's adept at using marketing and buzzwords, but because she's generous of heart and spirit, 100% genuine. And she does things that actually help people with their problems, things that work. Whether you walk into a room that Lori is in or see her over the internet, her light shines and you honestly feel how much she cares. Combine that with how much she knows and the gentle, easy to implement techniques that Lori uses are a gift to humanity. This is my first podcast with Lori and I can tell you right now it won't be the last. Hi Lori, thank you so much for coming to be on the podcast. Thank you, Freya. I am so happy to be here. You're, I have to say, you're a guest that I have been really looking forward to having. And I'm so honored that you agreed to be here because you've made such a huge difference in my life. And I see you across Facebook every day. Like you're huge. You're making a difference in so many people's lives. And your work, actually, for the listeners, I'm going to recommend that everybody tune in to the things that Lori is putting out there because all it takes is a short listen and you feel the difference in your life and in your body immediately. So she's the real deal. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored that you, you feel that way. Thank you. So Lori, what I wanted to talk about today was anxiety because it's something that's at the tip of everybody's tongue because of COVID and politics and all these different, all of the uncertainty right now, it's flaring up in everybody. So What I wanted to ask you is, what do you think is one of the most important things to understand about anxiety as a subject for the lay person, like for the average person, you know, not talking to different therapists or hypnotists, but the person who's actually going through it? Sure. So the thing that stands out to me about anxiety, I, so I've really struggled most of, most of my life with depression and I kind of view anxiety and depression as flip sides of the same coin. Anxiety tends to occur when a person is kind of stuck in the future. They are rehearsing and living in and what ifing about something that may or may never happen. Whereas depression, it tends, and this isn't a blanket rule, but people who struggle with depression tend to be living in the past where they are rehearsing and reliving things that have happened in the past. And, you know, perhaps thinking, oh, why didn't I do it this way? Why didn't this happen? What if this would have been different? So I think one of the biggest things that can give a person freedom is to really start to understand that 
when they're experiencing anxiety, they're often vividly imagining a scary what if scenario so vividly that their body thinks it's actually happening and their body is responding by perhaps making their heart beat faster or their even their hands start to shake or their breathing start to speed up in a way that just feels really scary and unpleasant. So it sounds like you're saying that anxiety is something that people do rather than something that people have. I, I do believe that. And I think sometimes when a person struggles with anxiety, I've noticed my clients who come to me for anxiety, sometimes that makes people feel a little bit defensive because, you know, to, to think, oh, am I, am I doing this to myself? I would never do this to myself. This is so yeah. frustrating. But once you start to understand the mechanisms that are behind the anxiety that a person is experiencing, it's actually incredibly liberating to understand, okay, I can plug in those exact same processes that are keeping me stuck in anxiety to help me become um, more peaceful and move into a place of spaciousness and and freedom. Mm -hmm. I think it is really important to know that... um it's not a blame game and it's not like, oh, well, it's your own fault. You have anxiety. It's more like, no, well, here's something that you didn't know about right. what you're doing and you didn't know it. And this was what you learned. And it is kind of a learned behavior. I think we will pattern anxiety from, you know, our environments where we grew up. Um, what do you think when people uh, identify with their anxiety? Cause I hear people say like, my anxiety, I have anxiety. And it's almost like it's who they are. So their anxiety is a reason for, and then just like name any type of, you know, behavior or excuse or, or thing. Oh, I can't do this. I have anxiety. Oh, my anxiety is flaring up. So this is the reason why blah, blah, blah. Is yeah. there something to that? I, I think that's a really important question. And it's funny because during the first lockdown here in the US, I actually had a, an 11 year old relatives thing with me. And at one point she said, she said something like that, my anxiety, my anxiety, or I think she said, I am anxious. And I, all these red flags went up and I said, who told you that? Because <laughs> I thought this little girl, someone has taught her to speak those words. And so much of our behavior is behavior that we have learned from other people that we are modeling that someone else gave us the idea to say or think in the past. And our words are so powerful. I teach people that we are our own best hypnotist and the things that we say about ourselves actually program our behaviors to line up with those things we say. And so when a person takes on I anxiety as an identity. It's almost like you put on a, a name tag that says, I am anxious. All of a sudden your unconscious mind starts to line up your behaviors and your thoughts and your beliefs mm -hmm. to match. And when a person can start to shed that idea and, you know, like you were saying earlier, help you help a person when a person understands that this is something that they are experiencing, or perhaps even somehow participating and doing to themselves, all of a sudden you can remove that label and say, okay, I am experiencing anxiety or right now I'm doing anxiety. It becomes very, very liberating. And, and like you said, I, I say that to give a person a place of spaciousness and autonomy and not, not to place any blame. Because I know for me, for decades, I was so entrenched in 
the identity of depression. I thought that it was just who I was and not, there was nothing I could do to escape it. And when I understood that it was a process that I had got, it was a pattern, like you said a moment ago, it's such a patterned behavior. And someone likely taught us to do this when we were very little and we've just repeated it so many times that we think it's who we are. I wasn't going to go in this direction, Lori, but I want to, for a moment, how important is it to model empowering behavior and to avoid, let's just call it modeling anxiety for the kids around you in your life? Yes, it's, it's so important. And I'm, you know, I have three adult children and a grandbaby with another one on the way. And so I didn't learn these tools until my kids were grown. And there's so many times when I look back and think, oh, if only I would have done this differently. So again, I just want to preframe that if, if anyone is a parent and anything I say makes you realize that maybe you weren't doing it the best way up till now, I, I just want to invite you to realize that this is an opportunity to start doing it differently. And I didn't start doing it differently until my kids were adults. And so you still have the ability to make a difference in your life and the, the lives of others. And that being said, every, uh, probably without exception, every client that I have worked with who struggles with anxiety can, tr when I say, when do you notice yourself first becoming anxious? It goes all the way back to their childhood. And they'll talk about how you know, perhaps their dad would just always be uptight and go, 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 and always worried about being late. Or their mom was always worrying about something that, that was happening on the news or in politics. And those, you know, we learn everything we do by modeling the people around us, especially before the age of seven. So if you, as you learn these tools, if you help your children see them and help the people in your lives see you utilizing these tools, which I'm happy to talk about in a moment. It's it's the very best way you can teach is by showing and by doing and not as much by telling, but just as modeling it for them. What would be an example? Like you mentioned tools. So if there's somebody struggling with anxiety or say you notice that it's starting to flare up in your kids and you don't think you have it, but you notice it in your children, what is a tool for anxiety? Like how would you uh, use a tool? Is it like a physical tool? Is it... Um something you do? Yeah. So there are so many different tools, but my favorite is it is a short little simple process that helps a person really just step into right now into this present moment. And this is especially valuable for, for me because I realize, you know, now that I have a little grandbaby, I look back on raising my kids and I realize I was always so future focused where I was thinking about the next phase. Oh, pretty soon they're going to start crawling. Oh, pretty soon she'll start walking. Before I know it, she'll be out of her car seat. I was always so focused on what was next that I was missing what was happening. And that can be so true with anxiety as well, where we might hear something on the news or you know, something that's forecasted about politics or even COVID. And we are so immersed in what might happen that we're absolutely missing what's actually right now. And so one of the quickest ways to step out of anxiety is to step into presence. And one of my favorite ways to do that is the, the very first step, and anyone who's listening right now, you can try this, is to just start to adjust your breathing. There's a certain breathing pattern that really 
is, is ingrained in anxiety and we often don't realize we're doing it. But when you just start to shift your breathing a little bit, even if it's just to simply be aware of how you're breathing without trying to change anything, it starts to bring you back into right now. Because when we're noticing our breathing in the present moment, we are becoming more present. And then the next, the next thing that a person can do is just to start to shift their body language. So a person who's experiencing anxiety is almost always tensing their shoulders. And it's amazing because just noticing that tension can help those shoulders start to relax a bit. So anyone listening right now, you can imagine, perhaps imagine that a string is pulling you up from the top of your head and that's allowing your posture to become more upright, but you're doing it in a way that allows your shoulders to relax, your arms to kind of hang like a marionette on a string. And then you can just begin to shift your breathing a little bit lower as if you're breathing from your belly instead of your chest. And that can start to calm things down. And then the third thing that I love to show people is an exercise that's called, I call it three by three. And I know Melissa Tears teaches this as a peripheral vision exercise, but it works like this and you, you can do it as you're listening. So if you find a focal point that's directly in front of you and maybe a little bit above your line of vision and just focus intently and intensely on that spot almost as if you could look right through it. And you'll notice you're, you're already starting to uh, sort of zone out as you look at this spot mm -hmm. and just become aware of three objects in your peripheral vision. So continue focusing on that spot and just name in your mind three objects you can see in your peripheral vision. So that's the first three. And now just, I'll be quiet for a moment and just notice three things that you can hear as you stare at that spot. It's strange to do this on a podcast where we're supposed mm -hmm. to be talking. Well, I'm, I'm doing it though. It's good. And, it's and then, and it's cool because a lot of times you'll notice sounds you didn't hear before, especially if you pause and, and really listen and then notice three things you feel. And my favorite three things is to just feel the sensation of being supported by the surface beneath you, whether you're standing, sitting or lying down, you can just experience the feeling of your body being held to feel the sensation of your tongue inside your mouth. And here you can just, that awareness can allow you to relax your tongue down onto the floor of your mouth and to just relax your jaw so that your teeth slightly separate. And then you can simply just feel the air on your skin. And those, those things, it seems so simple and Freya, I'm happy to give you like a little walkthrough of this that you can give to your audience. It seems so simple. And once you're good at it, it takes about 30 seconds, but it is such a peace inducing activity. And just the act of relaxing your tongue in your mouth and separating your teeth slightly sends a message to your body to turn off internal chatter. So even if a person listening were to stick out their tongue and hold physically hold your tongue, that starts to turn off that internal voice that's saying, what if this bad thing happens? What if this bad thing happens? Where we're, we're freaking ourselves out with the movie in our mind. And these, these simple steps can start to step you away from the movie and help you come back into the present. That's incredible. It can really be that easy then if you have anxiety for it not to be controlling your life and controlling um, your mood and your feelings and all of your actions if you take the initiative to do some of these steps throughout the day and to get yourself into that good space. 
Absolutely. I, I really do think it's this easy and there, I have lots of little tools like this, as I'm sure you do as well, but I find that giving people too many tools, it's almost like this decision fatigue thing we think of where we, we go to the grocery store and we see 87 different mayonnaises that we can choose to purchase. So we just end up walking away where if you just focus on this one simple tool, you'll find that it's absolutely life-changing. Well, that's something that I've really learned from you in recent months, which is that one little step or that one little tool, or just do this one thing to make a difference because um, I'm somebody who has been paralyzed with choice in the past, <laughs> many times. And, and even with this whole um, mood improvement thing, if you know so many things, you're like, which one what am I gonna do? You kind of filter through it and then you don't pick any of them. And if you just pick one thing and yes. do it, you'll, you'll feel better within minutes. And what I wanted to ask you too is why is it so important for people to manage their anxiety? That's a great question. I, for me, it's just experiencing the bliss of presence. So some people are mo more motivated by the idea of avoiding pain. And some people are more motivated by the idea of moving toward pleasure. And I'm, I'm a real move toward person. So mm -hmm. I don't want to say, well, you're going to stop making yourself miserable with this anxiety. You're going to stop having all of those negative things that are happening to you as a result of the anxiety. Perhaps it's even just something physical like heightened blood pressure and noticing your heart racing at different times, noticing that cold sweat that comes from panic. It's, it's so the present moment is such a beautiful, blissful place. It's, it's one of the most peace-inducing experiences that a person can have. And the amazing thing is you don't have to be a monk meditating in a monastery for decades of time. You can, ex you can get good at this really quickly and you can do it over and over throughout the day. And we notice ourselves, if a person has ever practiced meditating and maybe you've tried to meditate for 20 minutes and you realize, oh my goodness, I cannot keep my mind still for 20 minutes. So you might try five minutes. And I know for me, sometimes I feel like I can't keep my mind still for one minute. And I recently read a book by Dawson Church called Bliss Brain. And in that book, he talks about how this habit of just bringing ourselves back to the present moment over and over and over you know, what if we're not supposed to be good at it? What if us catching ourselves doing it again? Oh, I'm living in the future again. I'm what ifing again. I'm making myself, I'm making my own heart pound again is actually just an invitation to come back to the bliss of the present moment. So all of a sudden we're not beating ourselves up because we haven't got it right yet, but we can just keep coming back over and over. And I swear, sometimes I do this a dozen times in an hour, remind myself, it's okay to be at peace. It's okay to experience peace. So to me, the biggest benefit of using these tools or this one simple tool is, is being able to re-experience the bliss of the present moment whenever you choose. Beautiful. I guess because you really covered um, pretty much all of the important parts, but does it ever go away? So, I, and I want to give people hope who are listening to this or really struggling with their anxiety, does it go away? I love that you asked that question. And when I first started my career as a hypnotist, I, I really wanted to tell people I have the magic cure. This is going to fix everything and you're never going to experience that again. <laughs> and I think that some people do experience that. 
But for me, I, I tend to lean towards this all or nothing perfectionism, where when I notice one little slip up, I beat myself up and say, oh, it didn't work. <laughs> so, you know, I mentioned earlier that I had been pretty much chronically depressed my entire life up until I learned these tools. And I found such a tremendous freedom from the old depression that I used to have that I felt so, I was just so incredibly grateful. And it's what prompted me to become a hypnotist and make this my profession and share this with others. But what I've noticed is every, every now and then, especially this time of year, I will find myself slipping back into a place of depression for lack of a better word and our labels are so important we don't have to call it depression we can call it gloom or we can call it you know anxiety you can call um discomfort and it just changing the words that we're using to label the emotions we're experiencing are so it's so empowering but i'll notice myself when the days start to get shorter when the weather starts to get colder that i start to slip a little a little bit away from my, my usual optimism. And when this first started happening, I thought, oh, it didn't work. I'm a fraud. This, I screwed up. I'm not really free of depression. <laughs> and just really, you know, letting my self-talk go to a negative place. And with time, I've started to release that all or nothing perfectionism in other areas of my life. And I've realized that that depression that I sometimes experience is just an opportunity for me to come back to bliss. It's actually almost a blessing because it reminds me that I can come back and, and use these tools and remind myself that I'm okay. And I think that's really the same with anxiety. I, I don't know that it will ever go away, but I do believe that the more you practice coming back to presence, the more automatic it will become to stay there in the same way that you weren't born anxious, but you learned it somewhere, you modeled it, you repeated it so much that it became who you identified with as you practice presence over and over and over and just keep returning no matter how many times you feel like you're, you're messing up and slipping back to anxiety. Before long, you'll start to almost adopt this identity of being present and being peaceful so that when you experience that occasional anxiety, you realize, oh, that's just an old pattern I'm slipping into. I am peaceful and I can return to that bliss. That is so right, Lori. Uh, when you use the tools and they are working for you and something happens, um, you know, maybe there's a some turmoil in life or whatever, and you find yourself slipping back into those old thoughts or feelings because you already have the tools now and you've been practicing them and, and you've been using them, it's no longer as scary and disempowering as when it feels like it's out of your control. It's, you just catch yourself and it's like, oh, those thoughts aren't me. Mm -hmm. And then you can come back to who you really are. Yes. But it's so true. And there, so oftentimes people will talk about affirmations or, or positive self-talk. And I hear so many people say, oh, I've tried that and it just doesn't work for me. Or, you know, we've been recycling this voice in our head for so many years that feels negative and anxious that we really feel like it's our own belief. And so I teach people a protocol and it's just as simple as what I talked about earlier. And it's, I call it my three B's. So when you change your breathing, your body language, it then becomes open to you to, to change your beliefs. And people think that beliefs are like these deeply ingrained things that are really hard to let go of. And I want to challenge that assumption and say, what if 
it's actually really easy to change those beliefs by changing your self-talk. So if you've ever tried affirmations and felt like they don't work, the key is to change the first two Bs first, to change your body language and to change your breathing in the way that I walked you through earlier in the podcast and then bring in the new belief by asking yourself, how do I want to feel? So if a person is feeling really anxious and worried about something they heard on the news or something that's going on in the political arena in this world, just ask, take, change those, those first two Bs, change your breathing, change your body language, and then think, how do I want to feel? And, and just let yourself start to soothe yourself and say, everything is going to be okay. Everything is working out. It's, it's all, I am okay in this moment. Louise Hay offers some powerful affirmations that I will sometimes use for myself. If I can't think of anything positive to say to myself, she says, all is well. Everything is working out for my highest good. Out of this situation, only good will come and I am safe. And all of a sudden that brings us back to what's happening right now, because when we're in anxiety, we're thinking about all the ways we might not be safe, even though right now we are safe and we're playing this movie in our head that is so mm -hmm. vivid that our body's responding. Oh, Lori, this is wonderful. So how can people find out more about what you do and what you offer and ways that you can help them? Yeah. So the best way to interact with me right now is actually on my personal Facebook page. If you just find me at Lori Hammond and friend request me, and that's the best way to, to see what I'm doing. My website is trancypants.com. That's T-R-A-N-C-Y-P-A-N-T-S. And that's a good way to engage. I do weekly hypnosis, group hypnosis sessions in my Trancy Tuesdays group and people love absolutely love that environment. They, I, that I'm going to interrupt you and say they're incredible. They're so good. They've made a huge difference in my life um, since I started doing them in the fall. So, Thank you I, so I'm, much. I'm vouching for you, Lori, because you're amazing. Thank you so much. I love them so much. I have such a blast. I started doing online group sessions a few years ago before everybody was kind of forced into Zoom. And I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoy the community aspect of those calls because it's just such a beautiful way to connect with people all around the world. I'm usually in the minority as an American on those calls because there's people from all over. And it's just, it's if people are struggling with social isolation right now and being in lockdown, it's such a great way to come and plug into a community. And there's also something, I'm not going to give it away, but there's something that I have not seen anybody else do that I've seen you do that leverages the group of people versus single one-on-one -on -one in a way that is so incredibly powerful. Like the first time that I witnessed you do, actually no, all the times, I'm always crying. I'm just like, good crying. But the way that you leveraged all of us being there and how deeply we connected to ourselves and to each other and to love is unbelievable. And I've never seen anybody else do that. So I don't know if you got it from somebody else, but um, you're the first person I've seen do it. And it's really special and so worth experiencing. Thank you so much. I, you know, I think it's, I'm sure someone else has influenced me. I don't take credit for anything I do because I know I've been learning these tools from all over, but I think it's something that I developed 
after doing dozens and dozens, perhaps even hundreds of these group sessions and realizing the importance of having, just being in rapport with everyone on the call and feeling connected with everyone on the call, everyone there can boost you. And I, I think that my group hypnosis sessions are more powerful than my private sessions. Emphasis on my, because someone else's private sessions may be much more powerful, but I've noticed that they're so much more transformative because of that group energy. So I love that you have experienced that too. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks again. And I'm going to put all of Lori's information in the show notes and please reach out to her with any questions. And I encourage you to get in touch. Thanks again, Lori. Thank you, Freya.